for the Stock Car Racing Time Machine Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Naiman. Today, you're listening to episode 32, the 1997 running of the Mountain Dew Southern 500. And this race was getting a lot of attention. As we talked about in earlier podcasts, Jeff Gordon was hoping to capture the Winston Million. He had won the Daytona 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, making him eligible to win the Winston Million if he could capture the Southern 500 at Darlington on Labor Day weekend. We've, of course, talked about on previous podcasts that the only driver to clinch the Winston Million was Bill Elliott when he did it in the first year of the bonus in 1985. Other drivers had tried but failed. In 1989, Daryl Waltrip came to the Southern 500 with a chance to win the million, but he hit the wall early in the race and and never was a serious contender for victory. In 1992, Davey Allison had a serious chance at capturing the Winston Million, but a late race rain shower cost him a shot at victory. Dale Jarrett was among the favorites in 1996 to win the Southern 500 and capture the Winston Million, but he slipped in oil put down by Brett Bodine as a result of a blown engine and hit the wall hard between turns three and four. Unfortunately for Jarrett, his car was never a serious contender for the victory, although he did salvage a top 15 finish. Now, there were going to be a couple intriguing things about the Southern 500. The racetrack had been flipped, so the old back stretch was now the front stretch, and the old front stretch was now the back stretch, and turns one and two were now turns three and four, And the old turns three and four were now turns one and two. So the big change that this had made was, is now that turns one and two were the much faster corners, the longer radius sweeping corner, and turns three and four were now the tighter corner. Whether this was going to make a huge difference, it was hard to know. Some drivers, of course, love to make that crossover move at Darlington where they would let that driver go in and take the lead from him in turn three, let him slide up the track, and then cross back underneath them. So it was hard to know if this was going to have a big impact. There was a lot of conversation with spotters and drivers just about making sure that they were on the same page about what was happening in each turn. All eyes were obviously on Jeff Gordon, and he had to be considered to be one of the favorites to win the Southern 500. He had won the last two Southern 500s in 1995 and 1996 by hanging in there in the first 400 laps and then getting the car just right late in the race and being able to drive to victory. In the spring race, it was Dale Jarrett and Ted Musgrave who would put on a spirited effort for the victory, and they both had to be considered to be serious contenders that could spoil Jeff Gordon's hope. Jared had had a great day winning for the first time at Darlington in the spring, and it looked like he again was going to have a strong car at the Southern 500. Ted Musgrave had had an excellent summer and was seemed to be knocking on the door to that first NASCAR Winston Cup win. You also couldn't cut out Jeff Burton, who had ran very well in the spring and had a history of running pretty well at Darlington. You had to think that Mark Martin had a lot of motivation. He was a former winner of the Southern 500 in 1993, and Martin was now the points leader. So ESPN was, of course, making a big deal about Jeff Gordon's quest for the Southern 500, and this wasn't a big surprise. Gordon was one of the biggest stars in the sport, and probably if you asked most very casual NASCAR fans, that was probably the person that they could name even over Dale Earnhardt. I know that's crazy to think for hardcore race fans, but Earnhardt hadn't been having as much success in 1996 or 97 for that matter, and Gordon was rising In his stardom, especially crossover success with commercials and just attention that he was receiving, newspaper articles, media, etc. as well. 
Qualifying for the 1997 Southern 500 would take place on Friday afternoon, August 29th. And Jeff Gordon had been very fast in practice, as had Dale Earnhardt. Qualifying was important at the Southern 500 from the aspect that you had to avoid pitting on the backstretch. You would have to have a pretty poor qualifying effort, and Jeff Gordon was usually a pretty good qualifier to have to worry about pitting on the backstretch. But I believe they said in the broadcast there were approximately 28 front stretch pits. So it was very important that Gordon got a clean lap and didn't have an issue with their force on the pit on the backstretch. Because as we've discussed a bunch of times on this podcast before, especially on short track races, if you pit on the backstretch, it's a huge disadvantage under the caution flag. So the poll winner for the 1997 Southern 500 was Bobby Labonte. This was his second poll of the season. He was hoping a better for a better finish than when he got his first poll, which was at the Dover race where he crashed early in the race and had a 40th place finish. Bill Elliott got the outside pole with the second fastest lap. Dale Jarrett, the winner of the 1997 Trans South Financial 400 in the spring, qualified third. Mark Martin was the fourth fastest qualifier. Ken Schrader was fifth fastest. Hutch Strickland, the second place finish in the 1996 Southern 500, qualified sixth. Jeff Gordon going for the Winston Million was the seventh fastest qualifier. Dick Trickle coming off that great run at Bristol where he finished third the week before qualified eighth. Sterling Marlin was the ninth quickest qualifier. Ernie Irvin was 10th quick. Good qualifying effort for Brett Bodine, 11th. His brother, Jeff Bodine, qualified 12th. Ward Burton qualified 13th. Michael Waltrip was the 14th fastest qualifier. And Ted Musgrave was the 15th fastest qualifier. Other notables included Jeff Burton qualifying 16th. Terry Labonte qualifying in the 17th position. Ricky Rudd was the 21st fastest qualifier. Jimmy Spencer was the 30th fastest qualifier. Tough qualifying effort for Dale Earnhardt, although he'd been very fast in qualifying. I'm sorry, in practice, he could manage only the 36th fastest lap. Daryl Waltrip qualified 38th fastest. And Rusty Wallace was forced to take a past champions provisional and start in the 43rd position. Before we get to talking about the race, one important note about happy hour. So, of course, NASCAR happy hour is the nickname for the final practice session before the race. This would typically take place in this era of NASCAR racing, usually after the Bush race, so kind of in the late afternoon. And most of the time, this would be on ESPN2 when ESPN or ABC had rights to the races. And usually they tended to usually show it on a tape delay basis, although they sometimes would show it live after a Bush race. But this was the start of college football season. And so ESPN2 had a lot of college football on, and they decided to show Happy Hour on a tape delay basis. Now, the big news from Happy Hour was is that Jeff Gordon and Ken Trader were racing each other pretty hard. And as they came out of a turn two, Gordon's car got really, really loose and brushed into Ken Trader's car. Gordon was fortunate, probably, that Trader was to his outside and that he was able to save the race car. The two cars had just some very minor sheet metal damage with the contact, but Gordon had to feel like he had dodged a big bullet already on his quest for the million dollars. It would have been absolutely disastrous had he wrecked in practice, had to go to a backup car. It would essentially meant that Gordon probably would have no hope at the Winston Million. The 48th running of the Mountain Dew Southern 500 was run on August 31st, 1997, as Jeff Gordon was on a quest to capture the Winston Million and become the first driver in history to win three consecutive Southern 500s.
The weather was hot and humid in Darlington. And in the early pace laps, a couple interesting things foreshadowed some future events. So they were talking about the starting order, and ESPN pans to talk about Dale Earnhardt and his record at Darlington. And he's kind of oddly driving on the apron as the rest of the cars are up on the racetrack trying to get their tack reading behind the two pace cars. So, you know, at that time, NASCAR split the field up with the two pace cars so that teams could get their tack reading to know what they had to run pit road. Then a little bit later, they're kind of showing the second set of cars, and Earnhardt seems to be lagging way back behind the car that he was supposed to be starting behind, and it just looks a little bit odd. So Bobby Labonte and Bill Elliott were on the front row, and they lead the field to the green flag. Bobby Labonte was actually able to beat Bill Elliott down into turn one, and Dale Jarrett allowed Bill Elliott to drop in front of him because Elliott had started on the outside of Bobby Labonte and drop it in the second position. ESPN cameras pan to the speed shop, and you see a black car brushing the wall and really kind of hanging on the wall through turns one and two. And it turns out it's Earnhardt, and Benny Parsons comments that Earnhardt's in the wall and turns one and two. And then Earnhardt comes abruptly off the wall. Ricky Craven, who started toward the back of the field, just avoids Earnhardt, and Earnhardt's down on the apron running very, very slow. And Betty Parsons makes a comment that apparently Earnhardt maybe has broken the steering, he's having some type of problem, the toe is knocked out in the car, and they again pan Earnhardt, and he's running really slow through turns three and four, like he's trying to drop down into the pits. But Earnhardt had a poor qualifying effort and would actually be pitting on the backstretch. You can see, as they show the car on the front stretch, going extremely slow, that he's flat in the right side of the race car. Bobby Labonte is able to lead the first two laps of the race, but at the start of lap three, Bill Elliott's able to get inside of Bobby Labonte coming off turn two, and he takes the lead. On the next lap, Jeff Gordon was able to take sixth place from Ken Trader in turn three. Four laps into the race, and Benny Parsons can, reports that Earnhardt continues to drive slow around the racetrack on the apron, but there's no other real explanation giving because the race is in the early going, and probably the pit reporters don't have any information to as well. The first caution of the race came out on lap seven due to a major incident. What had happened is, as the cars had gotten down into turn one, there was significant smoke from the back of the number 96 car, which, remember, was being driven by Todd Bodine because the previous week, Jeff Green had broken his shoulder in that accident where his car had gotten upside down at Bristol. Rusty Wallace had nowhere to go, and his car slammed the wall, and then Robbie Gordon and Cal Petty both ended up involved in the accident too as well. Rusty had absolutely flattened the right side of his car when he spun around, had significant damage to the back of the race car. The 96 car of Todd Bodine went straight to the garage area after limping off the racetrack. He would be credited with a 42nd place finish. When they were panning Rusty, Dale Earnhardt was also in the pits and the crew was trying to look at the car and make repairs. So Rusty Wallace and Todd Bodine only completed five laps, and Rusty Wallace would be completed with a 43rd place finish. Robbie Gordon would actually be able to rally from this early incident, and he would end up finishing the race in 22nd position, four laps down. Cal Petty ended up 30th, not really due to damage from the accident, but due to engine problems. So Johnny Penson decided to pit under the yellow flag, and then Benny Parsons began to question whether Dale Earnhardt was okay because crew members were hanging their head in the window like they were talking to Earnhardt and the crew wasn't in an extreme rush to get Earnhardt back out or to make sure that he didn't leave, lose more laps and it just seemed like everything was kind of in slow motion. Yes, the ESPN reporters in the pits reported that they were working on the right front of the car and they raised the hood. So ESPN comes to commercial. 
Then when they come back from commercial, you can see a whole big crowd of people around Earnhardt, and he's apparently being carried from the race car, and he has an oxygen mask. And then John Kernan reported that the crew said that Earnhardt had been having trouble during the pace laps. They were really trying to tell him to come in because they were concerned about him. And then after he crashed, he was having trouble finding the pits too as well. The broadcast had pointed out that Earnhardt had completed 99.7% of all the laps this season had not had a single did not finish. So more on the Earnhardt drama later, but the race would restart at lap 12 with Bill Elliott in the lead, Bobby Labonte in second, Dale Jarrett third, Mark Martin fourth, Hutch Strickland would finish second in the 1996 Southern 500 in fifth, and Jeff Gordon chasing the Winston Million in sixth. On the restart, it was reported that Lake Speed had been black flagged for passing illegally on the left side. Bill Elliott quickly pulled out to about a 1.3 second lead after several laps after the restart. The ESPN crew reported that Jeff Gordon moved up to the fifth position, but they did not show the pass. And then on lap 21, Gordon was able to pass Mark Martin and move into the fourth position. The driver that was charging up through the field in the early going was Jeff Burton. He had started in the 16th position and within the first 20 or so laps of the race had already worked his way up to eighth place, which was a very impressive run up through the field. Bill Elliott was just pulling away from everyone. Just 23 laps in the race, he had a nearly three-second lead on second place Bobby Labonte. When ESPN came back from commercial, Jeff Gordon had passed Bobby Labonte and moved into the third position, and Dale Jarrett had moved up to the second position. Another driver that was tearing his way up through the field was Jimmy Spencer. Spencer had qualified in the 30th position and already worked his way up to 15th, just about 30 laps into the race. Gordon began closing in on Dale Jarrett, trying to take away the second position. Elliott, meanwhile, had now nearly a four-second lead, and Jeff Burton continued his charge up to the field. He was now in the sixth position. Burton was able to pass his teammate Mark Martin for fifth, and he clearly was one of the fastest cars in the racetrack. And Jimmy Spencer might have been the second fastest car. He was now in the top ten. Burton quickly got up to the third position and sent Jeff Gordon back to fourth. It was reported from the pits that Jeff Gordon was reporting that his car was very loose and he was struggling to hang on to it. Burton actually made slight contact with Dale Jarrett in turn two, but made the pass to move in the second position, 37 laps into the race. And then Jeff Burton went for the lead, grabbing the lead from Bill Elliott on lap 46 after Elliott had led 42 consecutive laps. The ESPN reporters were able to catch up with Richard Childress, and he reported that Dale Earnhardt was groggy, groggy before the race, and the crew was really begging Earnhardt during the pace laps to come to pit road because they were very concerned about him. And then... Once the race started, Burden was struggle. I'm sorry, Earnhardt struggled to get to pit road and was seemed confused while in the race car. Fifty laps into the race, and Jeff Burden was already starting to work lap traffic, and he was the leader. Bill Elliott was second, Dale Jarrett was third, Gordon was in fourth, Mark Martin was fifth, Hutch Strickland was sixth, Bobby Labonte was seventh, Jimmy Spencer was eighth, Michael Waltrip was ninth, and Terry Labonte was in the top ten. There were thirty-two cars on the lead lap. Spencer, Mr. Excitement, continued his tear through the field as he took the seventh position from the pole sitter, Bobby Labonte. And then Michael Walchip was able to pass Bobby Labonte on the outside on the same lap and move into the eighth position. Darrell Walchip got lapped on the racetrack and now had dropped back to the 29th position. Walchip was running another of his special schemes to celebrate his 25 years in NASCAR Winston Cup racing. And DW was running his famed Mountain Dew paint scheme that he had done 
had so much success with Junior Johnson, that number 11 car in the early 1980s. Bobby Labonte was among the first drivers to make green flag pit stops, and unfortunately was not a very good pit stop. It took 22.4 seconds for them to change four tires. Gordon's Rainbow Warriors gave him an excellent green flag pit stop in 18.2 seconds. A few laps later, Bill Elliott decided to pit, but his crew had a very slow pit stop, taking nearly 24 seconds to complete their work. Dale Jarrett's pit stop was even better than Jeff Gordon's. It took 17.7 seconds for them to change four tires. Jeff Burton decided to pit on lap 69, and they were a little bit slow in getting the right rear on and off, and his pit stop took 21.2 seconds. In the exchange of green flag pit stops, Michael Waltrip was able to lead two laps. After he pitted, Jeff Gordon actually took over the lead on lap 72, and he had a three-second lead over Dale Jarrett. Gordon was the leader for a couple reasons. First off, they had had an excellent pit stop, but also Jeff Gordon had pitted much earlier than Jeff Burton, who was leading the race. And at Darlington, where tires can mean one to one and a half seconds a lap, that gives you the opportunity, if you short pit a little bit, to build up a pretty big lead over the drivers who stay out longer. As a result, Jeff Burton now found himself eight and a half seconds behind Jeff Gordon. Mike Dillon was allowed to get a number three car for Dale Earnhardt, as Earnhardt had been taken to a local hospital. Typically, NASCAR didn't allow rookie drivers or drivers that did not have experience in a cup series being a relief driver, but they saw this as a special situation, and Dylan did a good job the entire race just staying out of the way and making laps for Dale Earnhardt. So 80 laps into the race, Jeff Gordon was the leader, Dale Jarrett was running second, Jeff Burton was in third, Bill Elliott was fourth, Jimmy Spencer was fifth, Michael Waltrip was in sixth, the seventh-place runner was Mark Martin. Martin's teammate, Ted Musgrave, ran eighth. Hutch Strickland was in ninth. And Terry Labonte rounded out the top ten. The leaders were setting a very fast pace, and there were just 16 cars in the lead lap, 80 laps into the race. Wally Dollenbach fell out of the race on lap 85 due to a radiator problem. And Sterling Marlin's very difficult 1997 season, the number four car continued. He was out of the race with an engine problem, finishing in the 40th position. On lap 103, Dale Jarrett was starting to close in on Jeff Gordon, and there were now just 13 cars in the lead lap. The second caution of the race came out on lap 109 when Jeff Burton, I'm sorry, Jeff Purvis, excuse me, hit the turn three wall hard. He had heavy right side damage to the race car. This was a long green flag run as 97 green flag laps were run before the second caution of the race came out. Ernie Irvin and Bobby Labonte were very fortunate because they were both in danger of going a lap down when this caution came out. It wasn't reported on the TV broadcast, but Jeff Green fall out of the race due to electrical problems and finished in the 39th position. ESPN came back from commercial and reported a bizarre incident that happened under the caution. Ernie Irvin had suffered heavy damage to his car under the caution because when Jeff Purvis was trying to pit, Ernie Irvin actually spun and hit the wall trying to avoid Purvis. There was damage to both the nose and rear end of the car. Then, to make matters worse, Irvin got caught in the pits and he ran the stop sign at the end of pit road and that would result in a one-lap penalty. The leaders would pit under the yellow flag and the race would restart on lap 115. The following or the running order was as followed. Jeff Gordon was the leader. Bill Elliott was in second. Dale Jarrett was third. Jeff Burden was fourth. Ted Musgrave was fifth. Jimmy Spencer was having a great day, especially considering his pitting on the backstretch. He was running sixth. Michael Waltrip was seventh. Tara Labonte was 8th, Hutch Strickland was hanging in there at ninth, and Ricky Rudd ran in the 10th position. 
Jeff Gordon and Bill Elliott got a good jump on the restart. But just two laps after the restart, Bill Elliott was able to get to the inside of Jeff Gordon in turn three and take the lead. On the next lap, Dale Jarrett got inside of Jeff Gordon and moved into second place in turn three. The third caution of the race came out on lap 130 when Jeff Purvis hit the wall for a second time and it resulted in a chain reaction incident that involved in John and Dreddy in the number 98 car, Steve Grissom in the 41, and Ricky Craven in the 25 car. The worst damage would be John Andretti, who had significant damage to both the front and back of the race car. His crew was unable to repair the car, and Andretti did not finish the race and was credited with a 37th place finish. Ricky Craven had crash damage and would have to limp around much of the rest of the race, but he would officially fall out of the race due to engine problems and finish in the 31st position. Under this caution, Mark Martin decided to pit again, and it was reported by the pit reporters that he was really struggling and his car was extremely loose. Bobby Lobani decided to pit because he was having a radio problem, as they had said water had gotten on the radio, and it was making it difficult for Bobby Lobani to be able to hear his crew. Terry Lobani also pitted under the yellow as well. The race would restart on lap 126, and Jeff Burton wasted no time passing Jeff Gordon for third in turn two. Then Jimmy Spencer passed Gordon for fourth in turn one of the second lap after the restart. Dale Jarrett was closing in tight on Bill Elliott for the lead. But the fourth caution of the race came out on lap 135 with a serious incident on the front stretch. Mike Skinner was coming off a turn four, and when he got a tap from Robbie Gordon, that sent him head head on into the inside retaining wall. Skinner had significant damage to the race car, and this wasn't what Skinner was looking to do after the difficulty just one week ago where he was involved in a serious accident at Bristol that banged him up. Skinner also wouldn't be able to finish the race due to crash damage and would finish in the 35th position. The leaders decided to pit under yellow, and Bill Elliott, Jeff Gor- Dale Jarrett, and Jeff Gordon won the race off of pit road. The race restarted on lap 140, and Ted Musgrave was actually the leader. He had pitted under that previous caution, had about 10 laps more time on his tires than the drivers who had just pitted. And this would, in hindsight, end up being a mistake for Musgrave. Bill Elliott quickly grabbed the lead from him in turn three. Dale Jarrett moved in the second, and Ted dropped back to the third position. Then Jeff Burden and Jeff Gordon passed Musgrave to move into third and fourth as Musgrave was dropped back to fifth. Then Mark Martin passed Ted Musgrave just six laps after the restart on the outside in turn three. Jimmy Spencer was back up to the eighth position after he had lost bouts on the backstretch during yellow flag pit stops. Waltrip and Spencer were both able to pass Ted Musgrave, and now Musgrave had dropped back to the eighth position. On the next lap, Spencer was able to grab the sixth position from Michael Waltrip off of turn four. Jeff Burton was quickly closing in on Dale Jarrett and leader Bill Elliott, and Jimmy Spencer crapped the top five on lap 160. Terry Labonte was able to pass Michael Waltrip for six after Waltrip tried to get inside of Spencer and make it three wide, but lost his momentum on the front stretch. Eventually, Terry... Labonte and Michael Waltrip were able to blow by Spencer going into turn one on the next lap. Spencer began to report that his car was very loose. We had yet another caution on lap 168. This was the fifth caution of the race, and Hutch Strickland and Ward Burton had spun in turn two. What had happened was his hut had gotten loose getting into turn one, and then he was tapped by Kenny Wallace. Cope also got into Ward Burton slightly as well. Hutt was able to rally for a 14th place, 17th place finish, but it was a tough day for Ward Burden. He would be involved in multiple incidents, end up finishing in the 27th position after completing 350 of the 367 total laps. 
There would be yellow flag pit stops, and Bill Elliott would win the race off of pit road. Jeff Gordon was in the second position. Terry LeBlanc was third. Dale Jarrett was fourth. Jeff Burden was fifth. Michael Waltrip was sixth. Ricky Rudd was seventh. Mark Martin was eighth. Ted Musgrave made it three Roush cars in the top nine, and Jimmy Spencer ran in the tenth position. The race restarted on lap 176, and Dale Jarrett wasted no time passing Terry Labonte for the third position a couple laps after the restart. Jeff Burton was able also to get around Terry Labonte and move into the fourth position between turns one and two. But we had the sixth cost of the race come out on lap 180, and this was another serious accident. So what had happened was is that Rick Mass began to spin in turn two, and then he spun off of turn two and down the backstretch. Lance Hooper, who was in the number one Richard Jackson car, was trying to avoid Rick Mass and went way to the bottom of the racetrack. Unfortunately, he was unable to avoid Rick Mast, and he slammed into the 75 car as well as the 25 car. There was significant damage to both race cars, and neither driver would be able to continue, and both would have did not finish his due to crash damage. Rick Mast finished in the 34th position, and Lance Hooper finished 35th. The only lead lap cars that decided to come to the pits during this caution flag were Ted Musgrave and Jimmy Spencer. The race would restart on lap 187, and Bill Elliott was able to pull out to a nice lead over Jeff Gordon as he got stuck behind the lap car of Lake Speed. Then, very quickly, the top three began to close on Bill Elliott. With 200 laps completed in the race, Elliott was the leader, Jeff Gordon was second, Dale Jarrett was third, Jeff Burton was fourth, Terry Labonte ran fifth, Michael Waltrip was sixth, Jimmy Spencer was seventh, Mark Martin was eighth, Bobby Labonte was ninth, and Ricky Rudd ran in the tenth position. The final car in the lead lap was Ted Musgrave, who was running eleventh. Jeff Gordon slowed a bit off of turn two, and this allowed Dale Jarrett and Jeff Burton to both move around Gordon and move into the second and third position, respectively, as Gordon fell back to fourth. Jeff Gordon reported that his car continued to be very loose. The seventh caution of the race came out on lap 211 when Jimmy Spencer hit the wall hard. He came to the pits, but was reported that he had no brakes and his car was forced behind the wall to make repairs. Spencer would ultimately finish in the 28th position. All of a sudden, this race had gotten very choppy with a lot of cautions, and this particular run was just 24 green flag laps before the caution came out. Jeff Gordon decided to pit under the yellow flag, and it was decided that the team was going to put a full rubber in the right front. Previously, Gordon had a half rubber in the right front, and they pulled that out and put a full rubber in, which they knew would take more time. And so the race would restart on lap 217, and the crew chiefs reporting that rain was just 20 miles lap out. And this race was past halfway, meaning that if the race got stopped and they couldn't dry the track, that there would be a possibility that whoever was leading would end up being the winner. It was good news about Dale Earnhardt when Jerry Punch reported that a bunch of tests had been done on Dale Earnhardt, especially imaging, imaging tests of the head, and they, they had not turned up any concerns. So at this point in time, Bill Elliott was leading, Dale Jarrett was in second, Terry Labonte was third, Jeff Burden was fourth, and Michael Waltrip was in the fifth position. Bill Elliott was able to get a good jump on the restart, and Dale Jarrett got stuck behind the lap car of Lake Speed. Burden wasted no time passing Terry Labonte for the third position. Jeff Gordon was running eighth after his pit stop. He was able to get inside of Mark Martin a few laps after the restart for seventh in turn three. Dale Jarrett was closing in hard on Bill Elliott. Gordon then passed Ted Musgrave in the 16 car in turn three for sixth. 
And on the very next lap in turn two, he got to the inside of Michael Waltrip and grabbed the fifth position. Mark Martin was able to pass his teammate Ted Musgrave for seventh. And on lap 230, Bill Elliott had about a two-car length lead over Dale Jarrett, and Jeff Burton was not far behind. Jeff Gordon, who had made that major adjustment, was able to pass Terry Labonte and move into the fourth position in turn three. And then Mark Martin was able to pass Michael Waltrip and move up to sixth. On lap 245, Mark Martin passed Terry Labonte and moved into fifth position. But not soon after, we would have another caution flag. This would be the eighth of the day on lap 251, and it was due to Kenny Wallace wrecking in turn one. The leaders pitted under the yellow, and they came out of the pits in the following order. Bill Elliott was the leader, Dale Jarrett was second, Jeff Gordon was third, and Jeff Byrne was in the fourth position. But Ray Everham had made the decision that he wanted Jeff Gordon to pit again so that they could take that full rubber out and go back to a half rubber. And then in addition, they wanted to disconnect the rear sway bar. The race would restart on lap 257, and Dale Jarrett was able to get to the inside of Bill Elliott in turn three and lead the first lap of green flag racing. Bill Elliott had led 118 consecutive laps before Dale Jarrett grabbed the lead. When they came back from commercial, it was reported that Jeff Burton was up to the second position, and Jeff Gordon was able to get around Ted Musgrave for eighth on lap 265. Then he passed Mark Martin for seventh. But no sooner did he did that, do that than the yellow flag fever continued with the ninth caution of the race on lap 274. What had happened this time was is that Lake Speed had tapped Ted Musgrave in turn four, and Ricky Rudd had slight contact with the number nine Melling ride and actually eventually tore off the back bumper. The leaders decided to all pit, and they came out of the pits in the following order. Dale Jarrett was the leader. Michael Waltrip was in second. Jeff Gordon was third, Bill Elliott was fourth, and Terry Labonte was in the fifth position. On lap 279, Jeff Gordon was able to get to the inside of Michael Waltrip in turn one and make the pass for the second position. Jeff Burden was up to fourth as they came back from commercial, and he actually grabbed third from Bill Elliott. Jeff Gordon was about three-quarters of a second behind Dale Jarrett with 75 laps to go in the race. The 10th caution of the race would come out on lap 295 due to rain. And again, we had had just 16 laps of green flag racing. All the leaders decided the pit, which surprised the booth, especially Ned Jarrett, figuring that one driver could have stayed out just in case the rains came and might have been declared the winner of the race. So the leaders pitted under this 10th caution. And it looked like at first that Dale Jarrett was actually going to stay on the racetrack. But then he saw the cars behind him coming to pit road, and he abruptly turned to the left and forced his way on the pit road. But he lost two positions in the process. He was supposed to be in the first position, but he actually didn't get into the pits until the third position. Gordon's crew ripped him off an absolutely unbelievable pit stop. And with 303 laps completed as they got ready to restart the race, Gordon was the leader. The race would restart on lap 303, and let's set the running order as the field came to the green flag. Jeff Gordon chasing the Winston Million was the leader. Dale Jarrett was in second. Terry Labonte was running third. The points leader Mark Martin was in fourth. His Roush teammate Jeff Burton was fifth. Ricky Rudd was sixth. Michael Waltrip was running seventh. Bobby Labonte was running eighth. And Bill Elliott, who had led many laps early in the race, was now in the ninth position. Jeff Bodine was one lap down in tenth. Gordon and Jarrett were easily able to clear Jeff Bodine getting down into turn one and get clear of lap traffic. Two laps in to the restart, Jeff Burton moved in the fourth position by passing Mark Martin. 
A few laps later, Jeff Burton was able to pass Terry Labonte and move himself into the third position. And he was now about two and a quarter seconds behind the leader, Jeff Gordon. With 58 laps to go in the race, it was reported that Jeff Gordon had brushed the wall in turns one and two, and it looked like he was having a little bit of smoke on the right rear tire where the fender was running up against it. With 50 laps to go, let's reset the running order. Jeff Gordon was the leader. Dale Jarrett was in second. Jeff Burton was up to third. Terry Labonte was fourth. And Mark Martin was running in the fifth position. When ESPN came back from commercial, Dale Jarrett was closing in on Jeff Gordon was just about one to one and a half car lengths back. And Jeff Burton had closed in within one second of the leader, Jeff Gordon. And Burton was quickly closing in on Dale Jarrett. Now, I have to tell an interesting life story. So for this race, it was run on Sunday before Labor Day. And at that time, the NFL was starting their season Labor Day weekend instead of what they do now, which is the weekend after Labor Day. My parents were season ticket holders for the Steelers, so they had attended the Steelers-Cowboys game. Wasn't a very good performance by the Steelers. They were blown out by the Cowboys, and who would have thought with that poor performance they had in the first game that they'd actually reach the AFC Championship game that season, but that's a story for another day. Well, I figured, you know, the game starts at 1 o'clock, the game wound around 4, my parents have to drive home from the game, they live about half an hour, 35 minutes from the stadium, um, I'm definitely going to be able to get and watch this race before we go over to my aunt and uncle's house, which is probably about 30 to 40 minutes from my parents' house. But this race was a very lengthy race with all the cautions and everything. So they come home and like, all right, we got to get over to your aunt and uncle's house. And I'm like, really? I really want to see the end of this race. And remember, I had told the story earlier in the season that I missed the Daytona 500 live because it had a basketball game and a family event to go to. So I was a little irritated that I didn't get to see the end of this race, but I knew I had to be honest with my parents when they asked how long I was going to take, you know, there were still a good 50 laps left in the race. It was going to be a while. So I had to resort to listening to the race on MRN. So with about 40 laps to go, Dale Jarrett and Jeff Burden are both closing in on Gordon. And there's just four tenths of a second separating the top three. I mean, they're basically running nose to tail at that point in time. And then all of a sudden, in turn four, Ward Burden spins, and he kicks up a ton of smoke right in front of the leaders. And Jeff Gordon and Dale Jarrett are running first and second, dive to the bottom of the racetrack and avoid Ward Burden's car. And Jeff Burden basically essentially stops in the top of the racetrack between turns three and four to avoid his brother. So all the leaders avoid disaster. And Ward Burden's spin brought out the 11th caution of the race on lap 334. We had run 31 green flag laps before the caution had come out. And this was the longest green flag run of the race, with the exception of early in the race when we had 97 laps of green and one other green flag run that was 34 laps. But since that 97-lap green flag run between laps 12 and lap 108, the only other green flag run that was longer than this most recent one, as I was saying earlier, was that 34-lap run. So it would be yellow flag pit stops, and it was obvious how crucial these pit stops were going to be. It was probably pretty likely whoever got out of the pits first was probably going to go on to win the Southern 500, as difficult as it had been to pass today. The pit stops happened, and Jeff Gordon's crew ripped off another outstanding pit stop. He got out of the pits first. Dale Jarrett maintained his second position. Terry Labonte was third. Ricky Rudd was fourth. Points leader Mark Martin got out fifth. Bill Ali was sixth, Jeff Burton was seventh, Michael Waltrip was eighth, and Bobby Labonte came out of the pits in ninth position. This was extremely disappointing for Jeff Burton. 
he had come into the pits in third position and he had an excellent car. If he probably could start anywhere in the top five, he probably would have a great chance to win this race. So the backstory was, is that Jeff Burton's crew was looking for a good match set of tires as teams do late in the race. And they purchased some tires from the number 12 team, which is Jeff Purvis's car, which fell out of the race early. And they thought they had a great match set of tires, but the crew didn't check to make sure that the lug nuts were glued on tight enough. And there were a couple loose lug nuts on Jeff Burton's pit stop. And that proved to be extremely costly. And he fell all the way back to the seventh position. So the race would restart on lap 339 with 29 laps to go. And the other big question, of course, would be, would there still be some rub from the right rear quarter panel that Jeff Gordon was experiencing earlier when he hit the wall in that earlier green flag segment? They kind of debated the announcers whether they had a chance to pull that fender or not, or if the pit stop was so quick that they really didn't get an opportunity to clear the fender. So... The race restarts with 29 laps to go, and Jeff Gordon and Dale Jarrett quickly clear the lap traffic, and Jeff Burton wastes little time taking fifth position from Bill Elliott. With 25 laps left in the race, Jeff Burton is able to grab fourth position from Ricky Rudd. And Burton continued his charge up through the field. With 20 laps to go, it was clear that Dale Jarrett was quickly starting to close in on Jeff Gordon, in addition, Jeff Burton had just passed Terry Labonte for the third position, but he was still four seconds behind the leader. And Bill Elliott had now worked his way up to the fifth position. It was clear that Jeff Burton had the fastest car on the racetrack by far. And Burton was quickly making his way up on both Dale Jarrett and Jeff Gordon. It was reported that Dale Waltrip was slow on the racetrack, limping around, and he would be credited with a 26th place finish as his car gave up the ghost late in the race. It appeared that Gordon was a little bit stronger than Dale Jarrett off of one and two, typically gaining about a car length or a car length a half off that corner, but it seemed like in the tighter turns three and four that Jarrett was better and he would typically close in on Jeff Gordon off of those turns. Bobby Labonte was able to pass Mark Martin, who was fading on this final green flag run back to the seventh position. And Bill Elliott was able to get around Terry Labonte for fourth position with 14 laps to go in the race. With 12 laps to go in the race, Jeff Gordon was leading Dale Jarrett by about three car lengths. And Jeff Burton had cut that four second lead in half to about two seconds. With eight laps to go, Jeff Burton continued to close down on both Jeff Gordon and Dale Jarrett. And he was now just over a quarter second behind Gordon. With six laps to go, Jeff Burton pulled within about two car lengths of Dale Jarrett. In addition, Jeff Gordon slipped a bit off of turn two, and this gave Dale Jarrett a chance to get right to the back bumper of Jeff Gordon with five laps to go. Now, I'm going to have some fun right here. So let's set it up. There's four laps to go in the Southern 500. Jeff Gordon's got a slight lead over Dale Jarrett and Jeff Burton. You can basically throw a blanket over the top three cars. I've talked about 1997, my first season really getting in to watching the full NASCAR Winston Cup season. I've talked about my love for Bob Jenkins. May he rest in peace. One of the great play-by-play announcers of all time for NASCAR Winston Cup racing and really for all motorsports. So I'm going to have a little fun here. And instead of just narrating what happened, I'm going to call the last four laps of the 1997 Southern 500 as I was the play-by-play announcer. So it's my podcast and I want to do this. So I'm going to have a little fun. 
four laps to go into the Southern 500 as Gordon works his way into turn one and he pulls Dale Jarrett just slightly through the middle of the corner. Burden is right there on Dale Jarrett trying to look to the inside off a of turn two. They all stay in line down the backstretch and Gordon has about a three car length lead on Jarrett as the cars head for the tighter turns three and four where Gordon has struggled more. Jarrett slides up the hill and Gordon is right up against the outside retaining wall. Now Jeff Burden takes a look to the inside of Dale Jarrett off of turn four and Burden is side by side with Dale Jarrett, they have to avoid the lap car of Derek Cope getting down into turn one. And Burden grabs second position. And Dale Jarrett fades back to third. Now Gordon has got about a seven or eight car length lead on Jeff Burden as they work their way off of turns two and three. When they come back to the start finish line, there will be just two laps to go. Gordon comes down to the bottom of the racetrack and turns three and four, but just all the way up to the outside retaining wall. Burden is running a middle groove and looks like he's closing a little bit. The cars come off of turn four and flash by the start-finish line. Burden now closes it down maybe to about four car lengths through turns one and two. Both cars are up high near the outside retaining wall. Gordon brings the car down off of turn two, and they work down the back straightaway. Burden is closing in. They'll come to the white flag on this lap. It's only about a two-car length advantage. Gordon starts low in turns three and four. He drifts up the hill toward the outside returning retaining wall. Burden using the middle of the racetrack is closing in tighter on Gordon. He looks the inside as they come to the white flag. They make contact at the start finish line. They bump getting into turn one. Burden backs off and Gordon hangs on to the advantage. They're working their way through turns one and two in the final lap as Gordon looks for the Winston Million. He's got about a one car length lead on Jeff Burden. He pulls away a little bit off of turns two. And here comes Burden down the backstretch, now fading. Gordon's in the turns three and four, a half mile from the victory in the Southern 500. Burden looks back to the bottom. Gordon drifts back to the outside retaining wall. Burden's not going to do it. Gordon wins the 1997 Mountain Dew Southern 500 by about a car length and a half over Jeff Burden and clinches the Winston Million, the first driver to do it since 1985 when Bill Elliott did it in the first year that the bonus was offered. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed my little bit of fun if I would have had the opportunity to call the play-by-play -play of the final race, of the final laps of the Southern 500 there. So um, as we talked about, so with about four laps to go, Burden starts to close in really, really hard on Dale Jarrett. Um, and he's able to get to the inside of Dale Jarrett uh, and make the pass uh, with three laps to go. So then with two laps to go, uh, Burden is probably about five car lengths back of Jeff Gordon uh, because it took him some time to get around Dale Jarrett. But Gordon goes in the turn three and four coming to the white flag and he's really running up right against the outside wall and Burden's running a more middle group and Burden just gets a huge run through turns three and four. And with Gordon's car pushing up the racetrack, Burden gets off a of turn four and gets right to the inside of Gordon. And basically as they come to the start finish line, they're side by side and Gordon feeling like he has no choice, feels like he's got to go down and try to block Jeff Burton, run Burton out of room. So just part past the start finish line, they make contact as Gordon throws a big time block. And it was enough to stunt Jeff Burton's momentum. And Burton was way low on the track, was at to go in on the apron and just didn't have the right angle. And I think he felt like, hey, I've got no choice. I'm going to back off here. And I think Gordon's momentum is slowed enough that I can probably beat him back in turn three and four. 
But really, as Burden kind of gave Gordon a shot into the turn, Gordon was able to pull a big advantage off of Burden, really off of turn two. Burden's momentum was kind of really killed getting into turn one. And as they you know, race down the backstretch, Gordon pulls away by almost three or four car lengths. Now, Burden closes back in in three or four, but really didn't have a serious chance at the victory coming off of turn four. You know, he makes it look interesting, gets to within about a car length of Gordon, but he's just not going to be able to get it done, doesn't have the momentum, and Gordon gets the job done. And what has to be one of the most thrilling last laps we've ever had in the Southern 500, as we talked about earlier, the only driver that ever won the Winston Million was Bill Elliott back in 1985. So in the 13-year history of the Winston Million, we only had two victors of it, Bill Elliott and Jeff Gordon. And Gordon became the first ever driver to win three Southern 500s in a row, too, as well. After Gordon won the race, Bob Jenkins reports that Jeff Gordon become, could become the first $6 million man in NASCAR Winston Cup history to have $6 million in earnings in one season with the Winston Million bonus. And of course, he'd also won the Daytona 500. He'd won the Coca-Cola 600. He'd won at California with that, which had a big payday. So that all was part of it too as well. So a little more on Jeff Gordon's victory in a second here. But let's take a look at the finishing order behind Jeff Gordon. So Jeff Burden ran a valiant second place in this race. He led 24 laps and came up just about a car length short of the victory in the Southern 500. Dale Jarrett finished third, leading 38 laps. Bill Elliott had a glorious day. Elliott finished fourth. He led 181 laps, which was the most laps. And he had a really strong car, really from the early stages of the race to about the two-thirds stages of the race. But Ned Jarrett made an astute observation saying that it seemed like when the it started to get more cloudy and overcast at, over the racetrack that Elliott's car wasn't quite as good as when it was sunny and as slick. It's a great day for Ricky Rudd who was looking for a bounce back effort after some tough weeks after his Brickyard 400 victory. He came home fifth. Terry Labonte, the 1996 Winston Cup champion, came home sixth. Bobby Labonte saw it on the pole and led the first two laps of the race and he finished seventh. Points leader Mark Martin ended up finishing in the eighth position, which that would result in him losing the points lead. More on that later. Michael Waltrip was the final car in the lead lap. He led two laps and finished in ninth position. Ken Trader was one lap down and finished 10th. One of the best runs of the season for Chad Little, maybe other than his early season top 10 finish at Bristol, he was 11th at the Southern 500. Jeff Bodine had strung together three or four pretty solid races of late. He came home 12th. Dick Trickle, who had, of course, had the top five the previous week at Bristol, came home 13th. Pretty solid day for Derek Cope. He ended up 14th. He was the first car two laps down. Another guy who had had a solid day and hadn't been having a lot of luck on the racetrack, and there was lots of questions about his sponsorship situation and his ownership situation was Brett Bodine. He started the race in 11th. He finished the race two laps down and grabbed the top 15 finish. Another Interesting story from the race. So we talked about the situation with Dale Earnhardt's medical issue or whether he passed out or whatever had happened. Well, had he not run any more laps, he was going to finish way in the back. Uh, Rusty Wallace and Todd Bodine were involved in that early wreck, but Earnhardt had already lost a couple laps on the racetrack, so he's probably going to finish 43rd. So NASCAR allowed Mike Dillon to get in the car. That's, of course, is Richard Childress's son-in-law. And uh, this paid off because he Dylan was able to run around there and actually pick up about 13 positions for Earnhardt. So officially, Earnhardt got credited with a 30th place finish. So what a day for Jeff Gordon. He won the Southern 500 for the third consecutive time. 
clinched the Winston Million. It was his ninth win of the season, the 28th win of his career, and he had led 116 laps in the race. And Gordon had led the final 70. Got to check the exact statistic here. Sorry, I had it in front of me and pulled it down. He had led the final 72 laps of the race, but not without a strong challenge, both from Dale Jarrett and from Jeff Burton. When they interviewed a joyous Gordon in Victory Lane, he had a funny comment, of course, to Jeff Burton saying that, Jeff, what do you expect me to do? A million dollars, buddy. And Gordon had commented early in the week, if it came down to that last lap, he was going to do whatever it takes to get back to the start-finish line first. And, you know, some people would view this as a pretty aggressive move by Gordon. The mid-90s were kind of marked by an era where you didn't really bump a lot of people out of the way unless you were Earnhardt. Uh, you tended to run people pretty clean. Uh, but that was just a situation where Jeff Gordon knew how hard his team had worked the whole day and if he was not going to be denied. And Gordon was the type of guy, the wins meant a lot to him. You know, he would point race when he had the point race. But in a situation like this, even though he was going to take the points lead from Mark Martin, he wasn't thinking about, oh, if I wreck, what's going to happen to me on the last lap? He wanted to go for it, and he made a brilliant block of Jeff Gordon just to stunt uh, Jeff Burton, excuse me, just to stunt Jeff Burton's momentum just enough so that he could slow Burton's momentum down and stay in front of him. And this probably, you know, when you look at this race, this was a really big deal. So, you know, you look at the 1997 Southern 500, you know, a million dollars in 97 probably wasn't as big a deal as when Elliott won 85. But anytime you're putting money up like that, it was a really big deal. And when you have the star of the sport, Jeff Gordon, the guy going through for it, it's going to bring a lot more attention. And if you look back at the broadcast of, say, 1996, when Dale Jarrett was going for the Winston Million and Jeff Gordon going for a 97, there definitely was a lot more attention paid to Jeff Gordon. But you also have to realize that Dale Jarrett had problems early in the race, too, as well. I think that, and I don't know at this time what Winston's plans were in terms of we talked about before the next season, them doing the Noble Five, which let five drivers have a chance to win a million dollars at five different races. Not sure if they had already had that in the planning purposes, but I think they saw how much attention this race got. And you can get a lot of mainstream attention by saying someone can pocket a million dollars. And I think that went into Winston's thought process. They wanted to do something special for NASCAR's 50th anniversary. And I feel like that Noble Five program, especially the first couple of years, was really, really successful. Then, like anything else, it kind of started to wear off a little bit. Um, they tried to mix up switching tracks, which wasn't a bad idea at times, but um, it it didn't quite have the excitement that it did the first couple of seasons. Another thing that's interesting to note, when you look at kind of, we've talked about in our previous broadcast, the Crown Jewel races, and some of that was changed with the Noble Five because we talked about them deciding that they were going to they were going to sponsor the fall race uh, at Talladega, which meant that was the race that was going to get the million. So it kind of switched from the spring race, which kind of from a prestige perspective made some confusion from that perspective. But I've looked through the statistics and it's, it's pretty certain that I'm fairly certain that nobody else has captured three of the four so-called crown jewel races in the same season. I was looking through, uh, website where someone had it all them all listed on there. They maybe thrown Indy in there too as well as kind of that fifth crown jewel type of race, depending on how you look at it. But you know, it's a very small list. You have Bill Elliott in 85, Gordon in 97, and then 
before the Winston Million was offered. Lee Roy Yarbrough did it in 1969, and David Pearson did it in 1976, interestingly enough. So the other stories today for Jeff Burden, man, a close second. It continued to just be an outstanding season for Jeff Burden. He was in the top five in points. He'd already run two races. He'd done unbelievably well on super speedway tracks. So, you know, disappointed because he probably had the best car. And if they probably hadn't had that poor pit stop, he probably would have been out there duking it out with Gordon and Jared earlier in the race, early in that, you know, in that final green flag run and may have been came out the victor. A solid day for Dale Jarrett. Since that Watkins Glen disappointment, he seemed to have things going back in the right direction. He was, you know, slowly working his way closer to Mark Martin in the points. So he had to feel pretty good about that. And although he didn't make up points on Jeff Gordon this week, you know, things had gone well at Bristol. He'd, he'd made up quite a few points. Like we said, glorious day for Bill Elliott. Ran great all day. It really seemed like at this point in the season that a victory was just around the corner for Bill Elliott. I mean, this was just a great run for him at Darlington. His crew did a great job. They qualified well. Everything was going well for Bill. He was in the top 10 in points, much more competitive in 1997. Obviously, we know in 96 that he had that significant leg injury after the wreck at Talladega, but he just seemed to be a little extra step in Bill Elliott's little extra pep in his step. He really felt like that he he was turning the corner with this team. Um, so the other kind of story of the day would be Mark Martin, a little bit of a disappointing run, obviously still a top 10 and because Gordon won, it makes his finish seem a little bit poor, but did to be a little bit disappointed with a typically based upon how well Mark Martin had run in the past. So the other thing we want to take a look at real quick is the race statistics. This was a lengthy race as I talked about, because I had to finish listening to this race on the radio, it took four hours, eight minutes, and 17 seconds to complete. The average speed was just over 121 miles an hour. There were 11 cautions for 67 laps. Gordon's margin of victory over Jeff Burton was just over a tenth of a second, and there were nine lead changes among seven drivers. Another interesting note about this. So in this day and age, ESPN2 would typically repeat the race later in the night. Um, they show RPM night and then usually repeat the race, put it on usually at like 9.30, 10 o'clock. Sometimes they would do a little bit of a shortened version of the race too as well. So I told you the story that I had to leave with about 50 laps to go. Heard the end of the race on the radio, on MRN, was celebrating about the Gordon's victory. Uh, got to my aunt and uncle's house Um and ESPN went off the air pretty quickly. I mean, they did interview Jeff Gordon, but it was a lengthy race. Um, and uh, I don't know what was being watched on TV, but people didn't want to flip off the TV for me at, at the end, my aunt and uncle's house. So I didn't really get to see like the final highlights or the post-race interview, anything like that. So I knew that ESPN2 had that rebroadcast. And for whatever reason, I hadn't taped the race or I, I think we had issues with being able to tape off of cable off of our one TV just because of our connection whatever so anyways i decided to stay up very late that night though school because the next day was labor day to watch the replay of the race and you know it was like seeing it for the first time i hadn't seen any of the highlights so even though i knew the result it was kind of really interesting to just kind of watch it and get the chance to see it live and it just shows how much of different era we lived in you know in that era we didn't have youtube to quickly go and see highlights you know you could could watch a, a sport show you know sports center something like that i might be able to see highlights but my aunt and uncle mainly had nfl games on so i didn't really have that opportunity while i was at their house but it was kind of interesting from that perspective to kind of watch the replay of what had happened it was a memorable and exciting southern 500 
But as always, we got to focus on the points race because we had a tight points race going into this race. Mark Martin had grabbed the points lead after the Bristol race due to his second place finish and Jeff Gordon have being involved in that crash and finishing outside the top 30. Well, Jeff Gordon's victory coupled with Mark Martin's eighth place finish gave Jeff Gordon a chance to get back in the points lead. He gained 38 points on Mark Martin and he now led Martin by 25 points for the NASCAR Women's Cup Championship. Dale Jarrett was sitting third in points. He had lost 10 points to Jeff Gordon today and was now 168 points behind. Championship hopes for defending Winston Cup champion Terry Labonte looked like they were dimming. He was in fourth in points, 257 points back. Jeff Burton's strong third-place run at the Southern 500 had him sitting fifth in points, 283 points back. The last couple of handful races had not been kind to Dale Earnhardt, and he was now 499 points behind the points leader in sixth in points. Bobby Labonte was closing on Earnhardt and was seventh in points. Bill Elliott, who had had a great day finishing fourth at the Southern 500, was eighth in points. Ricky Rudd was sitting ninth in points. He was 11 points behind 10th place Ted Musgrave. And then you had Jeremy Mayfield in 11th in points, 53 points behind Musgrave. Johnny Benson, 103 points out. In 12th in points, in 13th in points was Ken Schrader, 164 points behind Ted Musgrave. So thank you so much for joining us for the Stock Car Racing Time Machine podcast. In our next episode, we'll be discussing the 1997 Exide Batteries Select 400 from Richmond, Virginia, the action track. Again, thanks for joining us and have a great day.